Welcome back to Crawford Insights, the podcast where we take a recent post from the Crawford Investment Council blog and discuss it with the author. I'm your host, Tom Bueller, Portfolio Manager here at Crawford, and today we'll be discussing the rising importance of dividend yield with analyst and Portfolio Manager of the Dividend Yield Strategy, David Gilmore. Thanks for joining us, David. I'm looking forward to spending some time with you and going over the dividend yield strategy. The article you wrote is one in the series of pendulum shifts and also provides a lot of insight into the dividend yield strategy. With investor preferences seeming to shift in that direction, I expect this will be an episode that's popular with our listeners. Well, thanks for having me, Tom. 2022 has been a year that's seen a lot of shifts in the economy and the market. John Crawford IV and I discussed this on one of our recent episodes. Why do you think so many investors have shifted their focus here in 2022? Sure. So, I mean, obviously, we're all familiar with the inflation that's been going on in the world. We're at 40-year highs. Think about the path that the Federal Reserve is on, raising interest rates and draining liquidity from the market itself. That itself is a big shift, right? But you add to that the war in Ukraine, rising geopolitical tensions, resulting impacts on energy prices and supply chain complications. I think this has caused all of us to reconsider much of what we assumed or took for granted. And this includes how one invests. So with those changes in the way people are investing, have we seen tangible evidence of a shift in preferences? I would say yes, particularly in the market. I mean, you think about the last decade or so where technology and growth stocks have been dominating returns and kind of investor psyche. People are beginning to realize, I think, Tom, just the value of tangible business models and the income that can be generated from that. So the consistency and predictability of many businesses that may have been less important to some in a rising market has become much more valuable to the average investor. Yeah, and I think that what you just described lines up really well with the way we invest here at Crawford, and in particular, the way we invest in the dividend yield strategy. So that's a nice segue into talking about the strategy in particular. Can you give us a little bit of an overview about the specific investment approach we take there? Definitely. And and as you know, Tom, um, the Crawford Investment Council philosophy is rooted in quality and income, and it does undergird all of our investments. So for dividend yield specifically, we seek to provide above average income with a competitive total return over time. Specifically, we're looking for higher paying companies where income is a significant contribution to the expected total return. We are targeting a strategy yield in the eighth or ninth highest decile yields of the market. So when we say that, if you decile the yields or cut them into buckets of tenths, we're looking for that eighth or ninth highest yield in the marketplace. But we prioritize safety of the dividend with a preference for growing the dividends over time as well. Uh, We invest in common stocks, REITs, and ADRs, but not limited partnerships for tax complications. And there's two types of stocks specifically that we're looking for. The first is higher yielding stocks, those with business models that have higher payouts and naturally pay a higher yield, but they may be slower growing and have a lower total return. And then we also have what we describe as opportunistic value opportunities. And those are quality stocks that are down in price because of a challenge or some questions about uh, near-term business fundamentals. And because the stock is down, the yield is up. We can take advantage of those and invest in those with the higher yield and then enjoy the return of the valuation as the fundamentals improve. So what this results in is a a portfolio or a strategy with a breadth of stocks across sectors and across market cap size. And I think that higher yield and that sector and market cap diversification really differentiates us, even within the equity income universe. 
Yeah, that's interesting. You alluded to this a little bit in your comments just now when you talked about focusing on the eighth and ninth decile buckets. If we're trying to maximize income, why don't we just go all in on that highest yielding bucket? Mm, yeah, so I can see that interest. So I guess we do start with the premise, obviously, that higher yielding stocks, historically, we know historically they have outperformed over time. And we agree with the academic research that supports the view that it is an attractive area in the market. We do look relative, again, within the deciles of the current market, because we don't want to stretch for yield. But I'm sure, as you know, Tom, the, the 10th decile just intuitively maybe suggests a yellow flag as it relates to that dividend, right? So the dividend may be at risk. Uh, we mentioned earlier how we're prioritizing safety of the dividend, and we don't fully ignore or avoid the 10th decile as far as a specific stock is concerned. There are some stocks that, that makes a lot of sense, and they contribute to the high current income of the strategy. But from a strategy perspective, we do target that 8th or 9th decile, and I think that helps us manage the risk and it offers higher chance of success for the strategy overall. So 8th or ninth decile, quite frankly, offers very attractive yields in the marketplace. We don't need to stretch, and I think it also actually offers us a better return opportunity longer term. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. If you can avoid those damaging situations where the dividend is at risk or the fundamentals of the business are at risk, then you are likely to have a better overall investment experience. The other thing that you do with the strategy that I think is interesting is you don't limit yourself to the historically high-yielding areas of the market. Certainly, we have investments in those spaces, and you talked about some of those already, but we also go outside of those traditional areas. Why is that? You know, again, the traditional sectors do offer a high current yield, and they are very attractive, and there's some great investment opportunities in that space. But the total shareholder return may also be lower because they may be slower growing given those higher payouts. Some also consider those sectors, let's say like a telecommunications services or utilities, to be bond surrogates. Although, again, those are not substitutes for fixed income. They may view them that way. I think by investing outside of the traditional sectors, and again, we have exposure to almost every sector in the market and have over time, that diversification helps to mitigate that perceived interest rate sensitivity. I think also just from a volatility perspective or a market perspective, I think that diversification is really good at moderating volatility over the near term and improving our returns over the longer term. That's a good point. And what we've seen, especially you mentioned the last 10 years where growth was more in favor, is that this strategy has the ability to shift in that direction and have exposure to areas of the market that can be performing well that aren't necessarily high-yielding traditional sectors. Definitely. For this strategy, we talk about the intersection of income and quality. And that quality aspect gives, again, more consistent, longer-term, stronger fundamentals that really can contribute to the total return prospects. You mentioned in your comments earlier, and you have a chart in the piece that you wrote up about higher yielding stocks performing well over long periods of time. I think the data went back to 1957 or so, so very long period to look at. And it showed, just like you said, that higher yielding stocks do perform better over time. I think that most people would find that to be counterintuitive. We think that growth stocks are going to have that higher total return. We maybe have some recency bias there where you've seen things like the FANG stocks perform really well in recent years. Why is it that higher yielding stocks have been able to have such an attractive track record? Yeah, so I think there are different periods of the market where different types of stocks or investment styles may work for a period of time. But I think 
over the long term, maybe a couple of things that really benefit or shown why these stocks do better over long periods. I think the first one may be just preservation of capital. They tend to do better in market declines because they do have an income that provides some floor to the valuation because investors can count on that income. And by preserving capital on the downside and then participating on the upside, I think over time that adds up and really provides for an attractive a more competitive, longer-term return. And I think also, you know, short-term, people don't care about the fundamentals or the dividend, quite frankly. Over the long-term, those matter, though, right? Fundamentals matter. Cash flow matters. Dividends matter. Many of these companies pay dividends because they have more consistent, predictable business models. And that generates tangible cash flow that gets returned to shareholders. So when I think about what we do here at Crawford and thinking about these stocks that offer quality, offer value, offer income. I think those three things set you up for success over time, and that's what we do here. So how has the dividend yield strategy performed since we launched it in 2011? I would say we're very pleased with how the strategy has performed. We currently have a beta of 0.8, and it's actually probably been around there for the history of the strategy, and we've outperformed with less risk in the market. In the last decade of strong returns, we've had strong returns versus our benchmark. We've protected in periods of decline in all of this while we've been providing a yield of 4% plus or minus year in and year out. And I would also say we performed really well versus like that higher yielding opportunity set. Our research team has done a great job to surface ideas where the dividend is safe and finding those opportunities for improving and supporting long-term fundamentals. Our approach is a good fit with the strategy, and the strategy has done well through time. You just mentioned the 4% yield that we've had, like you said, plus or minus consistently for 10 years or so. Why do we put such an emphasis on the absolute level of yield that the strategy generates? Sure. And I know you know this, Tom, but just to clarify again, we do seek a relative return, a relative yield in the marketplace. But you're right, it has been 4%, which is pretty robust, I would say. And I point that out too, I guess, because if rates were to rise in the market or yields were to go higher, let's say the yield in the S&P were to go to 3 to 4%, our yield would rise as well, again, because we're relative. So that would be even better. But our clients have had a need for income from their portfolio for years, and this has always been a focus for us. And it's because that higher yield satisfies the need for income, preferably with growing dividends and a total return. So I think of it as kind of a head start. In any given year, you don't know what the market return will be, but you know what your income is going to be, right? So yield is always positive, or that income is always positive, and you can expect to receive that. In a period of potentially lower returns, a higher yield will make up even more of that total return, and I think that's really valuable. We've seen risks of recession increasing recently. We just got two negative GDP quarters in a row, so whether or not we're in a recession is up for debate right now, but regardless, the economy is definitely slowing. In a slowing economic environment, how do we expect a strategy to perform? So you're looking at the strategy historically, Tom, again, I guess the presumption is that in recessions or slowdowns, the market perhaps has a pullback or declines. And that's very reasonable given history. So looking at history and how the strategy has performed historically, the strategy has done very well at protecting capital and declining less than the market overall. And we don't plan on changing our approach or how we invest. So we're hopeful that we'll see similar results if that were to occur. The other thing we've seen so far this year is that interest rates have been rising. You know, a lot of investors may be enticed to move away from higher yielding stocks as rates go up and they can achieve higher yields in bonds or other type of income producing instruments. Would we expect that to be a headwind for the strategy? 
You know, I guess the honest answer is I don't know, but I don't think it should be, or I don't think investors should be looking elsewhere in those different environments or those different periods. So our team has looked at some of the FAMA French data that actually goes back even further to 1928. It's one of the more robust data libraries on the markets. And what they found is historically higher yielding stocks have actually done better in periods of rising rates. I think that's kind of contrary to the conventional wisdom or people's perceptions that they may not do well. And near term, I can say our strategy has supported that view in the first half of this year through June 30th. Our dividend yield strategy is actually just above flat. We're up about 0.12% through the first six months of the year. That compares to the Russell 1000 value that's down almost 13% and the S&P that was down almost 20%. And again, this is in a period where the 10-year treasury is going up. It peaked at about 3.5% late in 2Q and it finished the second quarter at 3%. So the data longer term historically has said that that's not the case, and our near-term experience has also been favorable. What kind of investors would benefit from owning this strategy? Hmm. Well, I'm biased, but I think everyone would. And myself, I'm invested in this strategy because I believe in that. Investors, I think those specifically investors who recognize the value of dividend-paying companies and their contribution to returns would very much appreciate this. The reality is investment returns are cyclical and can tend to run in 10-year cycles. We just came out of a period of high returns, and those are typically followed by more pedestrian returns. So given the last 10 years, I don't think it's heroic to expect lower returns going forward. And if that's the case, if returns are lower, the yield or income contribution will be a larger component of total return and will matter even more. I think that augurs well for our strategy and also for investors seeking more dividend-paying companies, particularly those with high and rising dividends. And that's what we're trying to accomplish with the dividend yield strategy. David, thanks for giving us some additional thoughts and information about the dividend yield strategy and investing for higher income in general. I know in the current climate, a lot of people are looking for a consistent investment approach that can generate attractive income. And I'm glad you and the equity research team here at Crawford have been able to put something together that has done exactly that for over 10 years. If any of our listeners are interested in finding out whether the dividend yield strategy may be right for you or someone you know, please give us a call at 770-859-0045, and we'll be happy to discuss it with you. That's all for this episode. If you haven't already done so, be sure to check out the article, The Rising Importance of Dividend Yield, on our website at insights.crawfordinvestment.com forward slash perspectives. Subscribe to the Perspectives blog while you're there, And be sure to join us for another episode next month.